Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of the League podcast, where we're taking a look around the NBA, discussing very important, very serious topics. And today I'm joined by Pablo Escobar once again, my guy, my slime. And I'm actually entering... Ew! (laughs) (laughs) I'm entering this episode completely blind. Uh, He has a game prepared for me. Uh, So I'm going to let you take over. What, What are we doing to start this episode? Hello, everybody. I am the new Jigsaw. I've come up with a game to test if Jokic Joestar is a true ball knower or if he is on Fraud Watch. Okay, <laughs> so aware there are there's gonna be ten ten opt or ten points for this game. Ten ten chances to get something right. Let's agree beforehand. How many do you need to get right to be away from Fraud Watch? Five. Seven. Um. All ten. All right. I'm gonna say. Let's, I'm gonna say if I get less than five, fraud watch over seven, ball knower, and in between there, mm. um, I'm just like I survived the saw trap. There, I I'm mangled, but you know I live to see another day. Nice, nice. All right. So the game is called top five, top ten, top fifteen, top twenty, <laughs> top thirty. As you can tell, if if you're a math guy you immediately recognize that this is in increments of five. And so what I'm going to ask you is a certain team's offense or defense, and you have to guess um, what range they are in. Like um, the first one will be the Houston Rockets defense. Are they top five, top 10, top 15, top 20, top 30? Oh, I forgot top 25. You could say I was going to say, I, I thought uh, I was like, <laughs> well, I thought it was exponential for a second. They were going to keep getting, but uh, yeah. Okay. So the Houston Rockets defense, they've been good defensively. Ime Udoka is pretty smart on that end of the floor. I feel like I'm going to go, I'm going to go top 10 with how they fucked the Nuggets up the other night. Well, you're wrong. No. Top five. They are the that well, I guess technically you are right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the they they are the fourth best defense in the league. How is that possible? Uh Alperin Shangun, defensive anchor? What do you think? Um, I thought he was really good. Uh it's crazy. I feel like when I watch people go at Shangun. And obviously, I don't spend my entire week preparing for this matchup like these guys do and like thinking about it. But it looks like they're like, oh, this guy is nicknamed Baby Jokic. I can try to fucking lay this ball up right now. You can't. He will block shots, dude. Like he he really uh, he's got good timing. He's a surprisingly good athlete and he's fucking huge. He grew two inches and I think he's like a legit seven foot now Uh, and. He's really good, plus uh, Dylan Brooks coming in. He had a quote where he was like, I want to make Houston a, a hard place to play at, and I want us to like really pride ourselves on playing good defense. And I feel like it spread itself around the team. Uh, I did not have full faith in his leadership abilities prior to this season. He sold me. Uh, the Grizzlies <laughs> fumbled the bag with him, I guess. So did everyone else who didn't want to <laughs> sign him. Uh, he's got Jalen Green, like, slapping the floor, getting in a stance and shit. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's not that surprising. Like I said, in the Nuggets game the other night, uh, they really struggled to score on them, albeit without Jamal Murray. But, like, all of the usual, I don't know, easy cuts and just, like, baskets you would expect Denver to get because the other team's kind of falling asleep looking at Jokic or whatever. Houston didn't let a lot of those up, and it really uh, fucked up the flow of the game for the Nuggets. 
Yeah, they they are on top for whatever reason. Dylan Brooks is playing um out of his mind. Uh, Jabari Smith is good, and they they haven't even been at full power. They have Tari Eason, the legend himself. He's coming back soon. Amen Thompson is coming. Guess what? Asar Thompson, you've seen him play defense? Amen Thompson is, like, also basically that. That's so crazy. They, Damn. They, they are going to be... They are gonna be so so nasty, and so you're you're zero for one right now. Number n- number two, number two, Minnesota Timberwolves offense, top five, top ten, top fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty. Oh, see now this is where you fucked up imagining me not with my own notes on the side of the screen for my power oh. rankings. The Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> are the nineteenth ranked offense in the league. Wait, do we have different numbers? I mean, I, I, I just 18th. went to basketball <laughs> reference today. Uh, we could be wrong. I'm going to say oh, top no, 20. mine are from last <laughs> night. <laughs> oh, oh, and mine are... No, actually, you know what? Mine are from NBA.com. There is, so there is they... a difference. I think, the, uh, I think the formulas are wrong. So I'm going to stick with top 20. I can't imagine they're that different. That That's correct, though. 18, 18. So um, how... How are we feeling about the Timberwolves offense? Do you have confidence in in anyone outside of Anthony Edwards? Um <laughs> I can't really okay. I I um trust Carl Anthony Towns. I do. Uh probably to a fault. He gets so many open looks um just just off the pick and pop. Yes, absolutely. Um because like especially if he's running it with Anthony Edwards and like he can blow by anybody even if they're like fully committed to him. So this idea that like you can kind of hedge the screen and try to get back out to cat, it's tough. Uh and that um was pretty hard for I think it was when Cat just dropped like 33 on the Warriors after that huge fight and mm. everything. Um, and so I, I think he will be good. Beyond that, I don't trust Gobert at all. Jaden McDaniels is fine. I think he's like a streaky shooter who will become a capable offensive player next year, maybe two years from now. I don't see him being like an 18 points per game guy right now, which really feels like there is kind of a hole in Minnesota's offense for someone like that. They have Ant who can average 30, Cat who can average 24, and then a bunch of guys who can average like 12. And it doesn't feel like that's the most balanced offensive approach when one of your top guys has an off night. And as much as I like Carl Anthony Towns, he is prone to having nights where he just like cannot be impactful offensively. And so that's very difficult for them. Have you, have you, are you familiar with Nas Reed's numbers this season? Oh, oh shit. How did I forget Nas Reed, man? Nas Reed's nuts. Yes. Um, it's 50, 40, 90 club member <laughs> currently. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard because he can't be on the floor. Like when you have three guys like that, what are you going to roll them out at small mm-hmm. forward or something? Um, Cause like, if you want to maximize your defense, which is how they're winning basketball games right now, you have to have Gobert out there. And like the alternative is to bench cat to play Nas Reed. And so I really like him off the bench. It feels super overpowered to have him going against backup guys. Cause to me, he could fairly clearly start on a number of teams in the league. He's been really good. It's just a matter of like, if you want to have your best offensive players out there all at the same time, you're going to have to give something up defensively just because they're all seven feet tall. 
Yeah, they they have they have the best big man rotation in the league. Last year we were looking at it and we were like, oh god, they they invested way too much in this. But it turns out one off season, that's all you need to to figure everything out. Um, let's go to number three. So you're one, you're one and one. The Sacramento Kings offense. They broke records last year. They made history. Where are the Sacramento Kings right now? Top 5, top 10, 15, 20, 25, 30? Um, ooh. I'm going to go... I'm going to say top 15. 16th, but also oh. maybe maybe by <laughs> maybe by basketball reference they are 15th. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but uh, by according to my <laughs> my stats and data, I have them at 16th. But also, how many games? I forgot about this. How many games did De'Aaron Fox miss? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say four off the top of my head. I know they lost uh, the second Golden State game without him. It was weirdly close. Got whooped on by the Rockets in back-to-back games, and then I think I'm forgetting one more after that. At least three, but I believe four, and I know those Rockets games tanked like their points per game, offensive rating, everything. I think they scored like 86 points in one of those games. It was pretty gnarly. Yeah, are we are they are they on fraud watch yet? Are we worried? I know Kevin Herter has fallen off a little bit, but I still I still do believe in the Fox Sabonis tandem, even though I'm not the biggest Sabonis guy, I feel like they should probably rebound at some point in the year and be like top 10 ish. Yes. Um, little, I, I know Kevin Herter has had two or three bounce back games. He was awful to start the year. He just had, um, 28 on like six of 11 Mm. from three, like kind of what you would expect, uh, from someone who is his caliber of shooter that started the year really poorly. He's kind of, law of average himself back to being like 37 38% right now. Um I think they will cuz with Fox they are so good offensively and he's not traditionally a guy like LaMelo or someone who's going to miss 25 games a season just through like I don't know like his body breaking down doesn't really hold up. De'Aaron Fox plays 75 games a year routinely. And so if he just like stays on the court for the next 2 three months, I think we will see that start to rise. Because I am also not the biggest Sabonis guy in the world, but I am uh, confident in Sabonis as a second option. If you ask him to go out there and like, I don't know, backpack the team, that's probably not going to work out super well. But if you ask him to play off of De'Aaron Fox and just like do the shit that worked really well last year, he's totally capable of that still. Yep. So, So one and two right now. Next up. The vaulted San Antonio Spurs defense with the greatest defensive rookie ever? I don't know. Victor Wembanyama. What are what do you think? What are they in range of? Top five, 15, 10, 15, 25, 30? Um I know they're ass at guarding threes. Uh so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess top twenty. The San Antonio Spurs are the 29th Holy ranked shit. defense in 
the league are the San Antonio Spurs on fraud watch. Is rookie Wemby, is he not good enough? I know Devin Vassell, Devin Vassell coming out of college was supposed to be a defensive demigod, but it seems, it seems as the offensive load has, has ticked up a little, the defensive um, ability has gone down a little bit. And um, yeah, they're just, they're just a lot rougher of a, of a team than you would expect because um, when you, when you see Wemby on his good nights, it's like he's so huge. People already do not want to take chances with him at the rim. Um, but I, I probably should have checked what the what the number difference is with him on versus off the court. But right now, they are not looking too hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's weird because they have guys like Vassell, like Sohan around Wembenyama who, in my mm-hmm. stomach... Keldon yeah, is supposed to try, try I'm like, hard. I'm like, these guys at the bare minimum, like lengthy athletes where you kind of ask them to like fly around on the perimeter and just have this great big fuck behind you, then that should work out to like <laughs> being all right. But 29th is jarring. I'm not going to say fraud watch right now. I'm going to say youth watch. I'm going to say, um, mm. I don't know. I don't love the Sohan point guard experiment. And I know that's offense, <gasps> but I think uh, maybe offense and defense kind of flow into each other in a way that has negatively affected the Spurs so far this season. They'll figure it out. <laughs> Wemby's young and uh, I'm sure it is pretty rough with him off the floor also. And that fucks it up, but that there's no excuse for being 29th. I'm going to say youth watch, not fraud watch, but still bad regardless. <laughs> Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. And today, the Spurs defense, it's a gift. It's it's coal. That's what it is. Good for, <laughs> for being bad. Um next one, you should get this one. Wait, what are you so far? One, two, three, four. I think you're one, one and three. three. N- next one, this should be a this should be a cupcake. This should be Alabama versus the Citadel on, on in football. Um the Denver Nuggets defense. Also, this might be one that changes with the site. <laughs> but where where are you? Top 5, 10, top 15, 10. 20, top 25, 10. 30. Ding, ding, ding. I had them at 6th. How are you feeling about your Denver Nuggets defense? Is Jokic, can he anchor a top 10? Wait, what were they last year? Um, I think they were closer to league average. Uh, I would say maybe like... 14th defense let's look it up because i want to see that Mm -hmm. can can the denver nuggets can they be a top 10 defense with Jokic? can they survive the loss of bruce brown okay yeah nuggets last year were 15th in defensive rating i think that so so mid yeah i mean literally mid uh, probably the most mid you can be um i think they're capable of doing that. They have the personnel and they've kind of figured out uh, what everybody needs to do to um, keep Jokic out of the situations where teams are really going to be able to exploit him defensively. Cause he's good in the Mark Gasol sense at like not having good, uh, not having good athleticism, but still being able to like affect shots at the rim. One of the ways I look at it is when Jokic contests someone's layup, he gives them the opportunity to make a shot. Oh, 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 oh. are we good? Think. <laughs> okay, magic. Um, uh, the way I look at it is when Jokic gives someone like 
he contests. He gives them the opportunity to make a shot that he could make. So, like, if you're really fucking mm. good, then, yeah, like, the angle is still there and everything. But he's very good at, like, using his length to take away uh, the passing lane when somebody has already jumped into the air or is, like, flying out of bounds as they've driven past him and kind of foregone the layup and things like that. Uh, KCP has been phenomenal defensively. Oh, my God. I love KCP. It's insane that we were able to give up Will Barton and get KCP Uh, shout out to the thrill for like essentially winning us the championship with that move. It feels like <laughs> he's so good. And Aaron Gordon really prides himself on that. And Michael Porter jr. Has been well above he's taken, what I expected. He's taken leaves. He's, he's good, dude. Uh, there was the game against the Mavericks. Uh, I think Nuggets Twitter probably ran with it a bit too much. They were like, he's clamping Luca. Oh, my God. <laughs> and some of that's just an off night from Luca or whatever. I wouldn't expect that to hold up over a seven-game series or anything. But Luca did not play well while Michael Porter Jr. guarded him. So there's there's a Nuggets off night, truth to that. Off night. Off night. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I think they can be top 10, but at the same time, time will tell. They have not been the steadiest team over the course of the regular season. The past several years, they'll go through stretches where they just are like in stupid games with bad teams and not really looking all that engaged. The first two months of the regular season, everybody wants to win every basketball game. The back half is going to be a little bit... That's where I would watch for them to drop in the rankings a little bit. Yeah, sometimes you win two MVPs in a row, and then um, the media spends the entire season saying, should you win it again, or should we give to Joel Embiid? I don't know. You might you might be over it. You might be a fraud. And the other guy might like go in the media and be like, I can't believe they keep giving it to that guy. What what can I possibly do? I deserve this. Please give it to me. And and that guy and your guy might be like, I don't care. And he might take the entire last month of the season off hypothetically and and just let it slip so he doesn't have to deal with that that media talk. But who knows? Who knows? Um, the Warriors offense, Steph Curry, he's he's a one man offense himself. What where does he have him this year? Top five, top 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Um, I am going to guess he has them top, top 15. Ding, ding, ding. And you know what they are? 15th exact. I knew it was on the, the margins Warriors, of one of them. They are mid. This is this is um this is like Jujutsu Kaisen. Have you seen Jujutsu Kaisen? I'm watching the new. I just finished uh the premature death arc. The the Gojo gets cut up. Sorry, spoilers, everybody. Just finished that. <laughs> we're back to we're back to the big three in modern times. It fucking rocks. I am watching it. But what uh what allegory are you drawing from there? So when Gojo was born, he single-handedly shifted the scales to making curses and humans equal. That is how strong and powerful he was. It seems that Steph Curry is the Gojo of this Warriors offense. He is so superhuman, godly, deity, powerful that he has them 15th. And that must mean, if Steph Curry is that good, that must mean the rest of this roster is the worst possible offensive roster ever. Chris Paul, 
can't make a jumper this year. Andrew Wiggins can't make a jumper this year. Draymond Green is Draymond Green. The rest of the roster is just—I mean, Gary Payton. He's—we know what he is. He's a lockdown defensive player, not not the best offensive player. Um, I think. I think they are going to need Brandon Pajimski to take on a bigger role offensively. Um, I have optimism for Trace Jackson Davis too, because he's a, he's an older rookie. And so I'm hoping at some point they can, they can find some kind of rim running um, groove with him. But right now it's, it's looking, it's looking bleak. How do you, how do you feel about the Warriors offense? Can Steph Curry do it all? I feel like one of the things well, I guess they didn't forget it when they were putting together the team. They were just expecting that Wiggins, Clay, or Kuminga would be able to be this guy. Oh, yeah, Clay. Um, the, the Warriors, Chris Paul at this point in his career needs to share the floor with someone who can like really effectively score the basketball uh, because otherwise like he can run a sharp offense if he's on the floor with someone like that. But like you said, he can't shoot a jumper he's not blowing by anybody it's really hard for him to score in any capacity and so for that to be the guy that's like running your second unit you're just like calling it a wash a lot of the times um and beyond that I thought I thought it was pretty funny how Draymond this season to start uh he's shooting 45 percent from three which like any other year is like the Warriors are like, holy shit, like this is the biggest positive we've gotten from Draymond <laughs> as a scorer in like half a decade. And it's just like not even a story because it doesn't matter. Because no, I mean, I went through, I think there's six other guys who have been on the floor with Steph Curry in any game this season and scored at least 15 points. Um, and it's not, and like half of them weren't, uh, Chris Paul's only done it once. It was against the Thunder when they scored 140 points. And I think either Wiggins or Kuminga was the same way. It's just been really, really hard for anyone else to score. Yeah, they, they ran the graphic during the, the Gobert choke game that Brandon Pajimski is the only other player to score over 20 this year. Um, I know Dario Saric scored exactly 20 in that Thunder game. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to need a Clay Thompson revival. Where are you at with Clay? Do you think, do you think, um, at some point he'll get back to being 40% three point shooter or do we, or are you like, Oh, he might just, he might have just declined. This just might be who he is just like hot and cold nights. It's, it's hard to see Clay just becoming like a non-factor as a shooter, the way he kind of has been to start the season. I don't think that's where his age is going to show. I think we're going to see it in like his ability to defend, which we've already seen. Yeah. Like just any, like anything beyond three point shooting. I think Clay Thompson's pretty much cooked at, I think he should be able to get back up to like 37, 38% on high volume over the course of the season. I would expect that because it's like his trademark calling card. But beyond that, like as far as like, your second best offensive player, I think you can expect to be a pretty mid offense if that's what you're relying on him to do. If I were the Warriors, I would maybe look into finding finding two really good offensive players. Like I would maybe give up a lot of assets for two good offensive players like Maybe somebody who is is a good mid range shooter and can get to the rim and the free throw line and can pass. Um, he does. Maybe he can't shoot three pointers, 
And then maybe a, another different guy who's like a crazy athlete who can shoot three pointers and get to the rim. And also he like doesn't really play defense, but like if there was a team out there that was maybe trading two of those guys, I would give up a lot to get those guys if I'm the Warriors. So hopefully, hopefully they, they consider it's that. Weird. That's just hypothetically like it's weird no one in mind because I have a team like that. Uh, one jumps out in my mind, but Really? The guy was like, I really think we can make this work. Don't move us. Uh, he'd said that in the press pretty recently. His name was, what was it? Jack Spleen, something like that. Mac Magazine. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I I think that would solve a lot of their problems. If you couldn't tell, everybody, this is a bit where we're avoiding talking about the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Uh, I just realized that. <laughs> Not everyone gets it the way we do. Um, so, yeah, I think if they move for Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, that could be fine. It would probably help. I don't think they're going to be any worse defensively because they're not really good right <laughs> now. I think they're about average. But, like, if you're not going to be good on offense or defense, you could make a move to get good at one of those things. And I think that probably improves your chances of winning overall. And yeah, I don't know. I don't hate that move. I think Chicago should blow it up. And I think if the Warriors want to maximize what they're doing right now with the end of Steph Curry's prime, they're going to have to hop off this like, oh, look at Moses Moody. He's coming up, man. When Steph's <laughs> done, he could maybe take over. No, you need to commit to like being an old team that's trying to do it one more time. Would you trade Clay Thompson for Zach Levine? I mean, from whose perspective? Am I the Bulls here or the Warriors? <laughs> if you're the if you're the Warriors, oh, see, I don't care about Clay Thompson. <laughs> like, I'm not. That's the thing I'm missing here. But they do. Yeah, like it's like if I put <laughs> yeah. myself into the irrational space that like this guy has helped build our dynasty and everything, and he's like one of these three, the heart of our team. It probably becomes a little bit harder to justify. But, like, me, outside of that, on paper, I'm like, dude, uh, Zach Levine beats the dog shit out of this guy as a basketball <laughs> player. They really don't feel that close. So, yeah, I'd probably do it. Yeah, it's I saw I saw someone suggest that the other day. I was like, oh, my God, that's nuts that we're in this territory where that would probably be a good trade for them. And Clay Thompson, like, it's, like, defensively, not much of a gap. <laughs> and then offensively, it's, like, for sure Zach Levine. But there's just no way they would do it. Honestly, if I were them, I would probably just ride out the the corpse of Clay Thompson, then then trade for Zach Levine and potentially have that not work out. Because if that doesn't work out, then then the pitchforks are coming out. Um, the Indiana Pacers, owners of the league's best offense, best offense ever. That doesn't mean that much because it happens every year. <laughs> um, but the best offense. Where is their defense right now? Top 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. That is a top 30 defense. I feel fairly certain. About yes. That. These motherfuckers cannot <laughs> guard. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, sir. The Indiana Pacers are the 28th ranked defense in the league, which is, is, is Tyrese Halliburton, the new Trey Young. An offensive engine, unstoppable force that gets targeted on defense at the end of games. Are people going to start saying the same things? Are people going to say, well, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter He what he does on offense. He gives it all back on defense. I don't know. Um, but you know what? Roster-wise, does it make sense that they're this bad? Because 
I mean, Miles Turner's still good. What do you think? Um, I think... Benedict Mathern is a little rough. Yeah, I don't know. When I think about this team, Bruce it Brown? makes sense that, like, they're not good defensively because they're so young that really trying to establish an identity on either side of the basketball is, like, asking a fair amount of them. I know Miles Turner is old. Like, it's not fair to call him a young player anymore. And Bruce Brown is, like, a guy who brings structure to the locker room and is old and everything. He's, like, 28, 29 or something like that. <laughs> um, but Tyrese Halliburton is the guy that's driving everything. He's really young. And so going from a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, I don't think they were that close, uh, to a team that's now one of the best in the league at like half of basketball. It doesn't surprise me that they're not ready to like really lock in on the other end as of right now. Um, Miles Turner is good. Bruce Brown's good. They have athletes and everything, but I don't think I don't expect them to like turn it around halfway through the season. I think they're just going to be one of those teams that wants to. I got a TikTok comment that pissed me off so much because I I said the Pacers are a team that they're just going to outscore teams, and someone's like, "Yeah, no shit, dumbass. That's how basketball works." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> but that's clearly not what I mean." But yeah, they are just going to want to outscore uh, the opponent. They're not looking to get stops, and I don't think that's going to change. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get all the way to the playoffs, and that's probably why they lose. Yeah, all all the time I'll get comments where it's like they they think you're the stupid one, but it's like you're literally you're literally not in the conversation right now. I remember someone, you know, do you know um you know Katie's burner on on uh TikTok? I think he changed his name to Killian oh, Hayes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I thought you were saying Katie like eight K A T I E. No, Kevin Durant's burner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember one time in the summer, some I was laughing so hard. He made the funniest video. Somebody commented. He was talking about the um the bubble finals and somebody commented um why are you talking about this this wasn't even on tv we couldn't watch it so how are you talking about this and he, he just made he just made a video replying to that comment where he was so mad and he's like what are you talking about it wasn't on tv what do you mean uh people people are so delusional um <laughs> And you know, you know what I'm getting right now. I made a video back in like July or whatever, talking about the Rockets roster, and I I said I'm I don't think this is gonna work. Um, and I didn't even I still praise Shangun and 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 everyone in that video, but I just said I don't know about Van Vliet or Dylan Brooks or Kevin Porter Jr. And um, I I to be fair, I am wrong about uh Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, but now there's. I don't know how that video is just going back around, but there's a bunch of Rockets fans commenting, well, 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 oh my look God. what we got here. You doubted us. We're up and you were wrong. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Which piss- one one thing that makes me mad is I'll, I'll dig my heels in about this. None of us were wrong about Fred Van Vliet. Uh, he's shooting 37% from the field and everything. Uh, like, <laughs> The rest of the team, I was wrong about Dylan Brooks, 100%. I didn't realize he was going to eliminate the long two from his repertoire, but like, 
the team. You know what? You know what? Nobody gets credit for having optimism in Dylan Brooks. It's been years <laughs> of struggles. Years. You didn't predict this. You didn't say Rockets fans. When you guys signed him, you were <laughs> not thinking. Okay, he's just gonna be one of the most efficient scorers in the league after years <laughs> of the three point shot not working anymore. He'll just pop back up to 40%. Like, obviously that's going to happen. Only Rockets fans know this. Non-Rockets fans, you don't know anything. You guys didn't know that. (laughs) You're lucky. (laughs) And we'll see how long it lasts. It's a mirage. He'll come falling back down. You'll see. You'll all see. (laughs) The Dylan Brooks, the February Dylan Brooks shooting stretch is going to be fucking legendary. We're getting back down to 29% on the season. I promise you that. Oh, man. All right. All right. Oh, another thing. Another thing Rockets fans do is any anytime you talk about Cade Cunningham, they fly in there. They say, he's who you guys say Jalen Green is. He's the chucker. He's inefficient. And I'm like, listen, you guys are up right now. You guys are up. I can't argue with you. <laughs> Whatever. You're right. Uh, yeah, man. Jalen Green should have been first overall. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> we got it, guys. Thanks. <laughs> um all right so now you're you're speaking of up the rockets fans are up you are up in this game right now you're four and three let's see if you can close it out um trey young the atlanta hawks offense trey young not not looking too hot this year he declined last year offensively i thought ah, it's an aberration he'll be back on top next year He's not back on top, at least individually scoring-wise. The scoring efficiency is not fantastic. And so, um, but DeJounte Murray, he he has these these uh, random big games sometimes. How how are you feeling about the Atlanta Hawks offense? Do you think top 5, top 10, 15, 20, 25, uh, 30? I'm going to go top. Ooh, I'm going to go I'm going to go top <laughs> 15. I want to say they're like 12 right now. What are we what are we looking at? Well, you know what? Your glass is too half empty, right? Does that that would mean you're too pessimistic? Yes. You're too pessimistic. I'll say it. I'll cut out the malarkey. Jack. <laughs> that's that's Joe Biden. Um Oh wait, your name is literally Jack. I was okay, that works. All right. Oh, uh no, I won't go back and do it and have you edit it. Um uh the Atlanta Hawks are the sixth best offense in the NBA. Things are 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 cooking for them it seems. It seems Damn. that Trey Young even even though he's not he's shooting like 20 last time I checked he's shooting like 28% from 3. Um but he's he's still getting to the line um and it, he's still one of the greatest passers to ever pick up a basketball and so things things are rolling. How do you feel about the Atlanta Hawks? Um I feel like what's it Jalen Johnson He's been good. Jalen Johnson is popping off. He might, he's become a a legit three point shooter, right? Yeah. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head or anything. I'm not super prepped on the Hawks. I like him. He looks good. Feels like every time I throw in a Hawks game, they're like, Jalen Johnson's got 15, and there's like four minutes left in the third quarter or something like that. Uh, Trey, I don't. I'm I'm out on Trey as like an efficient scorer. I'm not out on Trey as a player. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like the idea that I don't know. This, I've always 
his passing has always stood out to me more than his scoring. Uh, and so like the, mm-hmm. the, the idea that he's the next step Curry or something, I'm like, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like he shoots long threes and he's small, but like the way he plays basketball is much more akin to like a James Harden. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I think if they continue to just rely on him for his passing and then like whatever they get from him as a volume scoring first option is just a plus, they'll be fine. Um, and I guess the plus side to that is if he becomes inefficient in the playoffs, your offense is kind of already prepared for that. Uh, and so you just, you take that on the chin and you can continue being a competitive basketball team in the postseason. Six is surprising. Uh, I would be curious to see the caliber of defenses they've played so far. They don't leap off the page to me as a team that is like, I guess DeAndre Hunter has been pretty good too this season and Capella is a good lob catcher. And so uh, off Onyeka Kongwu, he made two three pointers in one game. Get the fuck out of here. Oh my God. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear. It's 1978 and we're like, what two? Um, yeah, no, uh, I guess when I think about the personnel they have, it makes sense that they're a good offense, but uh, the vibes that Trey Young emits, uh, another day, another opportunity, another opportunity to shoot 10% from the field, man. It just doesn't like jump out to me as a good offense. Yeah, they, I think so last year they were just kind of like, they had all the same guys on the roster. But all of them decided, we're just not going to be good at all the stuff we are good at. Like DeAndre Hunter, he's like, I'm a 3 and D guy. I'm just, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if he, if he shot well from three. But he's like, I actually can't play defense and I can't play offense this year. Um, and, and uh, it just, it just felt like, like, like a struggle. But uh, maybe people are getting back into form. Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, psh- FIBA boost. Honestly, I forgot to check his numbers as well. I don't know if he's doing better, better or not. Um, but yeah, it is. I think it is a. I think it is a positive sign if you're a Hawks fan that even with these trade struggles that you are, you're you're moving things. Quint the Quinn Snyder effect. He still hasn't um, played off ball as much as I would like, but he is mixing up more off ball actions this year, and so I think that that'll only be a plus. And hopefully, as the year goes on, he realizes, hey, this this makes my life incredibly easy. Yeah. So I mean, compared to last season, in, when you seeing one off ball action from Trey young last year, you're like, he doesn't have the ball in his hands. What is this team going to do? Even though they moved. I I remember all of them. I remember all of them. There was an inbound pass against the Orlando magic where he sprinted around, got the ball in the corner, fell out of bounds, made a three. Oh my God. It's burned. It's my memory, but carry on. It makes so much like you move for DeJounte Murray, who is a capable on ball guy. And you have this, this other guy who is very pesky off the ball ever like the few the small sample size and so i think 40 percent uh catch and shoot three-point shooter for his entire which career. is insane for a guy who's like 29 percent on threes lately like maybe <laughs> maybe get him some more of those looks that he's really good at and we can bump that up yeah i i i like uh i like him off ball more and i think yeah it is a good sign if you're a hawks fan especially because i didn't it didn't feel like they were hitting on their draft picks, but now it feels like they have a 
nice little young core around DeJounte and Trey that I don't know if they're going to contend for a championship, but I wouldn't want to watch. I wouldn't want to see them in the first round or anything like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if Kobe Bufkin has played this year yet, but I, I do like Kobe Bufkin as well. Um, now we'll jump to another Eastern Conference team led by a small guy. Not just one small guy, though. Two small guys. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. The Cleveland Cavaliers offense. This this should be their... Actually, last year they were a really good defensive team in the regular season. But you have Donovan Mitchell. You have Darius Garland. You have Evan Mobley as a role man, hopefully. Um, but you have Isaac Okoro. Ooh! Um, how do you feel about the Cavs offense? Do you think they're top five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30? Where are they at? Um, I'm going to guess top 25. Top, they are 20th. So not a oh, point for you. Not a point on. for you. Damn it. Wait, did you get the, no, you didn't get the Hawks one right either. So what are you? I'm three and five. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait, am I three and six? Three and f- no, I think you're four. Wait, how many? One, two, three. Unprofessional. I only have ten. I think you have four, <laughs> and then what is nine? You're four and five. You're four and five. Okay. okay. Oh, dude, yes. we're down to the wire. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, are you worried about the Cavs' offense? Do you feel that Donovan Mitchell, if it's not good enough, is he like, screw this, I'm out of here? Absolutely. Um, Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like donovan mitchell is super committed to the city of cleveland and rightfully so like he didn't sign there and he's been pretty open about wanting to play in new york and being disappointed about not getting moved to new york when he demanded a trade uh and so like i'm not mad at him for not being completely tapped into what cleveland's trying to do but i am a little concerned Garland already missed time to start the season. So did Jarrett Allen. Evan Mobley's offensive progression has not been what I hoped it would be in terms of him developing an elbow jump shot or something like that. Just like (laughs) shoot the basketball, Evan. And yeah, uh, I think there's a very real possibility that Mitchell either demands that KD to Phoenix himself to New York type trade where he's like, I don't have a no trade clause, but I'm not playing for anyone but the Knicks. It, that could happen over the course of the next year if they just continue being really bad. Uh, or I think he's unrestricted with like a player option after next season. And I think at that point, if the Cavs haven't shown major steps forward, uh, that all bets are off. Like if you're not going to be a really good team and a really good situation for Donovan Mitchell to be in, he can find that in New York, and he can like where he lives also. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned if I'm Cleveland. Yeah, it it always feels like it should be – it always looks on paper that it should be going better than it, than it is. Because, like, if I'm Donovan Mitchell and I'm just, like, looking, like, do I want to play with Jalen Brunson or Darius Garland? I'm, I'm picking Darius Garland 10 times out of 10. Um, and uh, not – well – Who's who is the better player? I would I would still say Darius I think Jalen Brunson and is, Donovan is, Mitchell's skill sets overlap a lot more. It makes more sense for him to play with Darius Garland. Yeah, I think Darius Garland is somebody who like who can make your life easier with with Jalen Brunson. They would just kind of be like coexisting. They'd be like two separate offensive isolation forces. Um, and yeah, just honestly, if I'm him, like 
Uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, I get the RJ Barrett leap is finally happening, but RJ Barrett, uh, Julius Randall, just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I guess he's, I guess maybe he's just putting city of New York, number one priority. That's it. That's what I want. Um, but still to me, I'm like, I don't know. I think things look pretty good in Cleveland if you just committed and worked out. Um, but so now the final, the final question down to the wire. Are you clutch? Do you have the clutch gene? Maybe let's find out. Now this, this is not offense defense. This is net rating. Whose net rating is lower? The San Antonio Spurs or the Washington Wizards? Is this a trick question? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay committed to my city. I think the Spurs are lower. I think the Wizards are just, the stock is through the roof, baby. I'm going Wizards higher, oh. Spurs lower. Well, you are correct. <laughs> and you want to know something? The the Washington Wizards are a negative seven point four net rating right now. So where would you play? What do you think the Spurs would be? Uh, I'm gonna go like noticeably lower seven point four. Let's go like minus eight for the Spurs. They are minus thirteen point four. They are almost they are almost twice as bad. As the Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma-led Washington Wizards, who seem to be tanking on accident. <laughs> they they are just throwing away these games completely naturally. Um, I know I know you, you got to see them in person the other day. What did you see? Did you were you analyzing their body language on the bench? Uh I wasn't paying that much attention to the bench because G Wiz was walking around and I was trying to get a high five from him. Uh and G Wiz is that the mascot? Yes, he's, 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 he's the NBA's gritty. I swear to God, he's like this fucking weird blue oh. guy. Uh, he's a, I think he's a bird technically. And here, hold on. What is this gonna be? Uh. All right, show and tell. We're back. This is G Wiz. We got a plushie at the game. <laughs> it's a- you were you were you were excited that this man was walking near you. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a, I'd, I'd be a little nervous. <laughs> no, G Wiz fucking rocks. And the game, it was it was <laughs> jarring to see Tim Hardaway just look like an All NBA player. Um, I was like. Mm. wow he's he's i mean he's one of the best basketball players on the planet because he's in the nba but i watched the mavs other times and he actually doesn't drop almost 30 points on a regular basis yeah (laughs) they can't guard they can't reliably score kuzma's been fine as a scorer i think he's sitting at like 23 or something like that per game Poole has not been. Poole's gotten all the offensive freedom in the world, and it has the grass has not been greener on this side. The grass is all dead. Mm-hmm. He's not like he can't score. His passing ability that was okay in Golden State feels like it was a lot more reliant on the fact that he was able to score the basketball and was also on the floor with Steph Curry, who's really good and kind of like the defense is constantly focused on him. So other people are open and you can just be the guy to like make an extra pass or something like that. 
it's not great. The fact that the Spurs are double that is insane. I realize that they're <laughs> bad at offense and they're the 29th defense now that I've done this game. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so insane, man. What do you think about that? Like, like what what where does that come from? I I saw this number last night at like 3 a.m. I, I jumped like Scooby-Doo. My eyes popped out of my head. I was like, I need to watch, I need to watch more of this team because the games I have caught, I w- I generally um, walked away like feeling okay. Like I was like, things are looking up for Wemby. Things are looking up for Devin Vassell, but it appears I've not caught the right games <laughs> because this, this is a dumpster fire to the highest degree. I don't, I have no idea how they can be this bad. Um, but you know what, you know what I'm thinking if I'm them, when I look at this number, if I want to, if I want a positive spin, there's a name, there's a man by the name of Alex Sar down in Australia. He's a seven footer. He can protect the rim. He can uh, switch onto the perimeter and he can make threes. And if I'm them, I'm not feeling too bad if we're horrible this year. Cause then I have, and he's French. What? He's yeah, he is French, I think. Um, and so of a Wemby Alex Sar front court. Now that would be bad for the country because then they would get reps playing together. It would essentially be the new Gasol brothers, and so that would undermine um, our our country's chances of success in the future. So maybe the Homeland Security Department would veto this move. Um, they would storm the NBA draft with their tanks and say, "Pick, pick Ron Holland. Pick someone else. This can't happen." Um, but right now, Spurs are awful. Uh, but honestly, if there was one team in the league that had to have a net rating almost doubly worse as the Wizards, I think the Spurs fans would be the one who are okay with it. Because this entire year is just free. They're like, I've been watching garbage the past few years. I have had nothing to look forward to since my my big three grandpas retired. Um, we had we had a momentary lapse with Demar Derozan, but even then, it's like this team's not going anywhere. Um, we finally did it. We won the lottery. We got the next the next guy. Um, he had he had the one big thirty eight point game or whatever. The flashes are insane, and so I th- I think they're still they're still sitting cool. They're like oh, whatever, yeah. man. Super whatever, super on man. brand for Spurs fans to be like you know. I'll I'll make the self sacrifice. I'll put in the work. I'll watch minus fourteen net rating games because like that's what minus thirteen point four. <laughs> Don't be a Spurs hater. That's 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 what the culture in San Antonio is all about. The franchise is bigger than just you in your fucking Tony Parker jersey or whatever. So you watch those games and you can still have fun. But I have noticed. I, I'm somebody who checks the ESPN scoreboard when I go to watch a game, and I'm like, okay, which one of these games is close or has the potential to like develop into something exciting? It's pretty much never the Spurs. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw him heat up against the Suns for 38, and it's fun to like throw him on when nothing's on and see him do some crazy shit or just move through space. The games are never like entertaining basketball it's hard as someone who like enjoys the nuances of the sport and can take entertainment out (laughs) of anything like that's one thing but from a casual fan perspective this is a hard team to watch so i guess that doesn't really surprise me but that big of a gap between them and the jordan pool wizards is jarring 
Yeah, and and they they very much are. Now that I'm thinking about it, like Jeremy Sohan, they're literally doing the point guard Jeremy experiment, and he's still shooting free throws one handed. So they they're they're not. I don't think anyone's too broken up about like, wait a second, we're these games aren't going to matter <laughs> once once the new year hits. No, I think everyone's like, eh, we're 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 going cool. But yeah, that that was shocking to me. So ultimately you wait no you did get this one right right? yeah yeah i got a so you went five and five is are you on fraud watch you survived another day Uh, easy i don't know ball but i'm not a fraud you know i'm right there in the middle (laughs) i'm totally cool with that i'm just i'm just the silly guy (laughs) who says stuff online i may be an idiot but i'm not a fraud (laughs) yes All right. What I got for you, um, do you want to start with a power ranking where we talk about the pros and cons of good basketball teams or the assholes MVP? I'm ready for either one. Damn it. Okay. I got to make the decision. (laughs) I'm going to make a choice. All right. Let's let's do the assholes MVP. Uh, This one, uh, it's based on the idea that every year the MVP is pretty clearly like Jokic and Bede or Giannis recently, but you always have that guy who's like, you know, if the V, if it was actually most valuable, it'd be this player. And so I want to talk about me, me in 2011 telling everybody Derek Rose, it's, he deserves this. (laughs) (laughs) He had it coming, man. It's the, it's the one seed. Don't ask me about how good they are offensively. Don't ask me about their defense. It's the one seed. He got it. LeBron's a villain. Okay. Yeah, me unironically. <laughs> um. All right. So I'm starting. I think the essence of this award so far this season has probably been Steph Curry with the Golden State Warriors, mm. who we have already touched on. Uh, the Warriors are six and five when he plays. They're zero and two without him. They look like one of the worst teams in the league when he sits. And honestly, they look like one of the worst teams when any other person on the floor takes a shot. A lot of the time, no. <laughs> we already touched on the fact that nobody can score twenty. Uh, they just got like walloped by the Thunder with a garbage Shea game. Uh, he went for twenty-seven on six of twenty-one shooting, which for one of the best guards in the league pretty ideal outcome in a game that you would want to be competitive in. They were never really close. I think they lost by 19 and it was like a seven, eight point lead at halftime, which that's fine. That is a close ish game. I didn't have faith in them to close it out or anything like that, which they didn't. And yeah, I think Steph is 30 points and four assists on nearly 70% true shooting. The next three highest warriors per game, combined to outscore Steph by six points and are like 20% from three. It's horrible. He's valuable to the Warriors. And and what is he shooting from three this year? It's like 44, 45% on insane volume, like 12 attempts per game, something yes, like that. It's, uh, it's one of those things where you will not like you can't care about it anymore like stuff fans obviously will they'll plug it or whatever but you as a person it won't matter until 20 years from now you're like holy shit you're looking at his basketball reference page he was doing what and the warriors were barely surviving games how like what, what, what did the rest of the team look like oh okay they were looking at they were looking at clay thompson for 20 points per game and we all remember how he 
moved to the Lakers and was retired three years later or something. So, yeah, I, I don't think – I think the assholes MVP this year is probably Steph Curry, but we got some other guys to talk about. Who jumps out to you? Yeah, I – I I found I have found myself a few times this year fantasizing about what an offensively slanted team would look like around Steph Curry, like if they just had guys who couldn't play defense. And I was thinking they probably don't win champion he because he's kind of had to play that way his whole career. It's kind of just been him and Clay, but they've been good enough to do it. Um, and then the rest of the rosters been like, oh, I don't know, can you make an open jumper? Um, and that's they've probably won because they've had that defensive roster construction. But man, I'd love to see just a year where he gets guys around him who can make open shots and just see how high can we push that offensive rating? Can we get to 180? <laughs> um, uh, but um, yeah, I, I should have had Steph. I didn't have Steph. I, I listed three guys and then one honorable mention. And so the most, the one for me, I um, the number one guy I thought of was Tyrese Halliburton because um, the Pacers are the number one offense and the 28th ranked defense. And like, I think his on off splits are crazy. They're like, they're like, it's a Jokic level difference. Um, and he's just like the entire engine. And it seems like if he's not there, things fall apart. When you look at the numbers, um, they're looking like Steve Nash numbers. It's like high volume threes, um, over 40%, um, hyper efficient scoring the passing. It's like 12 assists to no turnovers. Um, and, and things, things are just, things are, they're rolling when he's out there. Um, he, yeah, he feels like. He won't be in the MVP conversation, but people will be like, Jesus Christ, those numbers are overwhelmingly good. Yeah, I uh, I think he's been so good and he's made the Pacers so good. I have him on my list. I was I, I would like he is my honorable mention, I guess, in the sense that like I think he's so good. He will be in MVP discussions as like the fringe guy, maybe the um the. Oh. Oh. Wait, did I disappear? Well, your 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 screen's dark, oh. but I can still hear you. Fine. All right. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Tyrese Halliburton will probably be like the 2019 Paul George in this discussion. Mm. Uh, like he will be a finalist, or he could be if the season ended today. I think he would be. Uh, but I don't think it'll be like him going bar for bar with Jokic or something. I think he is pretty close to transcending into that uh Steph Jokic tier where we see really really impressive offensive numbers in pretty much every facet of basketball and we're just like cool uh we know you can do that so like it really doesn't affect us that much anymore his 25 and 12 and a half a game on 66% true shooting with 2.1 turnovers Oof. per game he's one of four players who's 20 points per game while top uh 20 in true shooting percentage it's him Steph Jokic and Luka right now pretty oh. pretty good company to be in I suppose and yeah that one he's missed one game the Pacers scored 104 points they're averaging 126 27 like you said there, yeah, I, I, I think he's that's a, that's a big drop off. I think he's the foundation <laughs> of everything that allows them to even compete as a basketball team. They have good guys around him, but take him out, and nobody's capable of doing anything. 
Yeah, that's that. That's the assholes MVP. Who who's who who? What other guys do you have? I I would bet we don't overlap on on these other guys. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of okay. Um, my next one I have. You already said his name, R.J. Barrett. Is he on? Ah, okay. the Renaissance. No, he's, he's making the leap. Uh, <laughs> the Knicks are five and two when he plays. They're one and three without him. Uh, in his last three, which are three straight wins, he's twenty five, four and four on sixty eight percent true shooting, like fifty eight percent from three, which is super sustainable. And he's like the go to wing defender on what was the second best defense. I checked back, and they're now like sixth, which. I mean, mm-hmm. like second sounds a lot better on my bullet points, but sixth is still really good. Uh, his so we'll just lie, we'll just lie. So yeah, the yeah. second go to wing defender wing on the best, the second best defense, the best defense Jeez. in NBA history. Oh my god! Oh whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, his value here is essentially rooted in the fact that uh, he's allowed New York to survive their second 9-11 with Julius Randle's start to the basketball season. Uh, 36-32 splits still. He's kind of bounced back. He had nearly a 30-point triple-double on mid-efficiency, the Julius Randle we all know and love. But the fact that they're 5-2 and two when RJ plays is very... It's impressive because they're not that good when he hasn't played. They're just kind of like treading water. Yeah, I'll... I'm going to come out right now. I'm, I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to get hate for this, and maybe I'll deserve it. I'm not an R.J. Barrett believer. It's a mirage. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm I'm not a believer. I think it's going to regress. The three-point percentages uh, it will go down. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's, he's just still not a guy I'm super happy to be having as a core part of my franchise. Um, uh, I don't want to be paying... I guess I guess his contract now that all the contracts have taken a leap. I guess his his numbers are not that bad, um, but still, I'm I'm just not that big of a believer. But right now, right now he's up, and I'm on fraud watch. So um, shout out to R.J. Barrett. Um, I I was I was an R.J. Barrett hater when he was at Duke because I was such a Zion lover, um, and and I was <laughs> I was a doubter for years. That's and so I fucking said, funny it, to be like. There's, we got three 18 year olds and this one actually fucking sucks. And the other guy is the reason this team is good. I'm smart. Shut up. (laughs) Oh my God. I, I, it's, it's the most unfair opinion I've ever had of a human being. Cause I just hated him. (laughs) I hated his guts because there would just be stretches during the Duke games where he's like, Zion doesn't get to touch the ball anymore. It's the RJ Barrett show. And he had major tunnel vision. There's it's burned into my mind. Draft guys will know Maui invitational Hawaii, um, at the end of a game versus Gonzaga legendary matchup. Prime Brandon Clark is swatting everything at the rim. The game goes down to the wire, and who takes it over? R.J. Barrett. He says, Zion, out of the way. It's the R.J. Barrett show. They lost the game. I said, you're you're dead to me, R.J. Barrett. Um, (laughs) You're irredeemable, uh, (laughs) R.J. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to hell for this. It's already cemented. Um, But yeah, R.J. Barrett... um, I'm not a believer, but hopefully, hopefully you make me just a mindless hater who's an idiot and who's wrong. Because at the end of the day, he's a very nice guy. And he's also Steve Nash's nephew. Um, Damn. But, Sorry, uh, Steve Nash. Yeah, You're I didn't have him as my... 
we were just trashing that <laughs> man. You should have raised him to pass more. I know. That's insane um, that you guys are related because uh, it really did. He's been a fine decision maker <laughs> this year. And it's funny to see Knicks fans talk about he's way improved as a decision maker, which is like a baseline average ability to see your teammates uh, for RJ. Like the past three years, he did have that vision where it's like this fucking mid-range jumper is going up uh, and we'll get back and we'll play defense and Tibbs isn't going to care. Because that he doesn't care about offense, but you're not touching the ball on this possession. That has definitely leaked into his NBA career a little bit. And also, I could be wrong, but I feel like part of the reason he's doing better is because he is just dribbling less, and like he he does have the ball less, I think. Um, but but my next my next asshole MVP is a guy who's on a horrible team, who's on a mid team, who's suffering in hell. I said R.J. Barrett's going to hell. This guy is in hell. Um, Alex Caruso of the Chicago Bulls. Can you be an MVP on a terrible team? Because the only wins that they have seem to come because of you solely. He's the only one completely locked in at a hundred percent on that team. Um, there are games where like we had a two point win, I think over the Raptors that went into overtime. Um, and he was somehow a plus 20 in that game. There was another game where, where he had an insane off on, um, he is just an unbelievable defender. He is one of the rare guards who can guard literally every single person on the court. Like we're throwing him on Pascal Siakam and Siakam's passing out. He's like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, uh, he, yeah, he's going to have a lot of callers, um, people saying, please give him to me for a first round pick. He will change my team's life. And I think that that is true. I think he is an unbelievable monster. He tries 100% every game. Um, I think he is shooting well from three on, on like very low volume this year. Um, but he, in, in what little, what little success the Bulls have had to muster, it's because of Alex Caruso. And so, listen, that's valuable. That's more valuable than Jokic. Jokic gets to play with um, the Jamal Murray sometimes. Sometimes, so, yeah. And Aaron Gordon yeah. all the time. And, I mean, he was in the dunk contest. So, that's like, that's oh. pretty much an all-star. That's at all-star weekend, if you think <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, I'm huge. I'm a huge Caruso guy. Uh, I was on a different pod where we were like, in, like, possible but like not for sure gonna happen and one of the predictions was that caruso would be the most impactful guy dealt at the trade deadline and i was like that doesn't sound like the craziest thing in the world to me i like i like zach levine more as a trade asset he's obviously like the traditionally better basketball player in terms of the things he's able to do scoring and all that but if you mm-hmm. ship Zach Levine off to the Warriors and you're asking him to fill this huge role that he's not super capable of doing and we get to the playoffs and his holes in his offensive game jump out a little bit more, I think that is more realistic than Caruso getting dealt to... NBA champion. NBA champion Alex, Alex Caruso. Caruso getting dealt to, I don't know, the Kings, maybe, or I wouldn't mind it if the Nuggets <laughs> picked him up at all. I really like what he does. And if he gets into a situation like that where they're just like, hey, uh, shoot the open three, and if you make it, it's fine, and just like lock down whoever we throw you at, that is something that a lot of teams are going to want and could very easily swing 
like a second round series if you catch a shit matchup where your second best player is just fucking out of the equation because Alex Caruso's on him every possession. That's hard to adjust for in the playoffs. And I think he's the kind of guy who's capable of doing that defensively. And I would love to see it. So yeah, get his ass out of Chicago. That's it's not a good <laughs> spot. I, I don't think bad or mid team should be allowed to have guys who are like good role players. Yeah, he he's basically he's this year's Derek White. And so who's who's gonna win the sweepstakes? Could it be Dallas? Could it be I don't even know who else. Um yeah, I don't I don't think the Nugget do you guys have assets to go after? No, him? Um, no. Uh well we have most of our picks and we have Reggie Jackson, if that would be if that'd be interesting mm. to you guys. Uh <laughs> Well well what what year do we expect Jokic to be bad by? Um I think the 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 path forward for Nuggets draft picks are not expecting Jokic to be bad. It's expecting him to get bored and be like, I don't want to. I'm mm. I'm a hundred millionaire. I don't want to play anymore. I'm 31 and I'm hanging him up. And then that 2031 first round pick. That's like holy shit. These guys are. They've been getting backpacked for a while. This is not the same team anymore. I think. I, I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes to put together the package if a bidding war happens like the way I expect it to, but I would not mind having him on the team. He's really good. Yeah, I th- I feel like um, the best landing spot is probably Dallas if they would be willing to give up Josh Green. He would, he would really be fantastic for them. You know who could really use him, but... I don't think they have anything to give up um, would be the bucks. So they could, they could fill that, that drew holiday void in, in their team. Um, but who, who was your, who's your next asshole? MVP? Um, mine is <laughs> all right. First bullet Tyrese Maxey, 50 points higher than Embiid's season high. Is he the best player on this team? Whoa. You know, if we're going Whoa. off that, then yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's inarguable. And I'm it's my podcast. So yeah, I decided. 27.7 assists, 62% true shooting allowed Philadelphia to not just like fill the Harden hole immediately, and they didn't have to sit around like begging Harden, please come back. We can't compete without you. We're better now, uh, for better. Yeah, like we're <laughs> better. And flipping Harden immediately got them role players back, which have helped patch up the car-shaped hole left by Kelly Oubre in this roster. Get well soon, Kelly. Oh. Like, having Nick Batum... Shout and- out, Kelly. I believe Kelly. I think he got... I saw someone say on Twitter, I believe the theory. He he probably just got sideswiped by a car on his bike and then fell down and hurt himself. He's not... Uh, I don't I don't think anyone would lie about... What do they think he's covering up? Like, that he got jumped? I Why saw, I saw that something up? that uh, his contract which i haven't looked at and this is all speculation and i still believe kelly 100 percent. if his contract has something that says he shouldn't be riding that damn bicycle and he got hit while on that mm. damn bicycle that's not ideal for kelly Oubre's legal case but i still believe kelly um i hope he gets better soon and everything don't trust the police it's not a good idea and yeah having batum and robert covington on the roster now like that has kind of helped patch that hole a little bit. And so if we extend that value into the fact that they were able to move Harden because of how good Maxi's been, it makes him even more valuable. So yeah, I, I really like him. He also leads the the NBA in fourth quarter points per game. Ooh. But on the flip side, that means 
they've had to play him in the fourth quarter a lot. That means they haven't been blowing guys out. I'm just playing devil's advocate <laughs> here. Or the Sixers mid, actually. Um, but no, he's he's been fantastic. I still worry a little bit long-term about the, the playmaking on this team, but maybe maybe this is the best strategy around Embiid. Maybe you don't need... You don't need the star. Like how many he he has gotten to play with a lot of high end talent over the years in his league or or over his years in this league. Like he got to play with good Ben Simmons. He got to play with good Jimmy. Um, he got to play with good Harden or pretty pretty good Harden, and it hasn't necessarily gotten the results. So that that's probably a little bit of an oversimplification. But maybe maybe Joel Embiid plus just a bunch of capable guys is the formula for success. Could could the Sixers get Alex Caruso? Would he change their lives? Uh, I mean, I think he would. Just because I think uh, the dependable part of Embiid's game in the postseason has been his defense and his ability to protect the rim. The Celtics did not even want to look at the rim uh in the Philadelphia series, even in game seven, like I know Embiid got lit up on Tatum isolations. They were all step back threes. He did not want to drive on that guy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I think if you're bolstering the perimeter defense around him, that's probably a good way forward because regardless of what you really do, the ceiling here is, uh, can we get a healthy Joel Embiid for one and a half, two months in route to a championship. And can he play at like the MVP regular season level? And so if we're just like accepting that that is what is going to need to happen for this team to win a title and doing our best to get the rest of the roster ready for when that happens, because we believe in Embiid, we're the Sixers in this scenario, then moving for Caruso, moving for, I don't know, they didn't they signed Kelly Oubre, but just getting these guys who can defend uh and give the team like a good baseline for Embiid and Maxi to be otherworldly offensively with. I think that's a smart path forward. As smart as you can be with somebody who's been as inconsistent as Embiid has been, or at least health wise. Yeah, pre pre car crash, Kelly was like has been like 20, 20 points a game, right? Yes. Something like He's, that. He's yeah, and uh, shot the three ball fairly well. Um I think I feel like it was close to 40, if not above 40%, which if you can get, yeah, 20, I don't know if that's sustainable. 16 points per game, good floor spacing, and an engaged defensive Kelly Oubre. That's a good basketball player. Shout out to the Sixers. Play Jaden Springermore. Um, my next asshole MVP is a guy who... It's kind of a real asshole in real life. He cheated on his wife, fiance. He's not a player. Ime Udoka. Ooh. Is he the most integral part of the Rockets' success? Is it him? Is it Shengun? Is it is it Dylan Brooks? I don't know who who would be who do you attribute the most value to in this Rockets um explosion? Um, I think. It's a combination of everything you said. I feel confident saying that Ime Udoka is the catalyst for everything. Uh, I would wager all the shit that happened this past postseason with Dylan Brooks combined with a coaching change is what allowed Brooks to kind of focus on the shots he's really good at and eliminate 
all the like dumb deep two pointers, just like I'm bailing us out hero ball that Brooks played a ton of in Memphis that has just like completely gone away. And I think you can attribute some of that to the coaching of Ime Udoka. A lot more uh, smart offense, maximizing Shangun's ability as an offensive hub. You can attribute some of that to Udoka as well. They weren't doing a ton of that last year. You would see flashes of where Shangun's capable of doing that, but it's their approach to offense now. We want to get the ball to the middle. We want him to lead us in assists, and we want to, yeah, attack off of him. And that's that's a coaching change as well. I think, yeah, he's probably if not the like number one most valuable thing, at least the first domino in making those other mm-hmm. guys more valuable. Yeah, I think I think Shingun is the best player on the Rockets, but I don't know if the ball gets into his hands without Ime. Last, last year, like, I think I think like all the Shingun actions were like at the top of the league in efficiency. <laughs> but for whatever reason, Steven Silas was like, I don't know, let's do we want to do that or do we want to have um, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. dribble 45 times out on the perimeter and then make a play? Uh, um, but yeah, the the Rockets. I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 really. I want to see how this looks when Amen Thompson gets back and how how they're going to incorporate him back because all the all the Asar Thompson defensive stuff has gotten me excited for Amen Thompson and then. Like Amen Thompson is the better offensive player of the two. He's not a better shooter. He's still disaster class shooter. Um, but he is like nuclear. He's more athletic and he's a better passer offensively. So I'm I'm very excited to see where this team goes. And uh, I I was I was a little skeptical of email. I was like I don't know that Celtics roster is pretty stacked. I don't know if he was like the guy, but now it's looking like maybe he was the guy. Um, who 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 was your your next your next asshole MVP? Did you have another? That's, or did you? That's all. Three? That's all of mine. I got yeah. I have Steph, Maxi, Halliburton, and R.J. Barrett were my four. All right, I have one more honorable mention. James Harden is he negative value? Is he the most negatively valuable player in the league? The Sixers have propelled to the top of the league without him. He goes to the Clippers. Are we? Have they still not won? With no, him? they're on six. It was almost the Nuggets. They made it a close game. Uh, but yeah, no, the Clippers have not won a game. Does he? Does he have the most impact on, of any <laughs> single player in the league? <laughs> right he's, now? he's the assholes MVP for whichever team the Clippers are playing against. Um, I don't know. You you watched them play, and it's not just Harden. Kawhi hasn't looked like, you know, the Kawhi Leonard we expect. He doesn't look like 27 on 50, 40, 90 splits right now. The mid-range hasn't been there. His explosiveness, his lift. Harden hasn't been good. I'm not going to die on that hill. Uh, <laughs> he had, like, that Mavericks game was insane. The Nuggets is one thing. They're going to troll some games like that. And, like, it, it was just uh, like a sucker punch to the mouth that they didn't see coming from a desperate Clippers team that made it a close game. The Mavericks game is way, like, they were up 15-12 in the first quarter and give up, like, a... 58 to 80 run to end the half and just like it was not like I've never seen a game become a blowout in that capacity (laughs) it's fine to get blown out it's something else to like really strut your stuff he had 14 points didn't miss a shot in the first quarter 
silent the rest of the night. I think he made like one or two shots. And so, yeah, he, he, I hesitate to say negative value. I always look for the positives in players' games. It's not been super easy to find them in Los Angeles. Like the whole offense looks horrible. Nobody is moving. It's not flowing well. There's no ability to really get to the rim. Nobody feels like they're shooting threes exceptionally well. It's just ugly. And I feel like Harden has the ball in his hands a lot, so it's easy to say it's ugly because of Harden. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say neutral value, but I'm fine if you say negative. I won't fall on my sword (laughs) right here. Is is value inherently positive or or no? Just just the word. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think I'd ha- if I'd have to say something else if I meant like he was straight up negative value. Maybe he's a detriment, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it's it's a positive connotation it- word. Okay, so yeah, so he doesn't qualify. Fucking but semantics he's, he's out having- of here, pal. <laughs> um the logic rhetoric <laughs> um yeah yeah that's that's all i have on james Hart. i saw um westbrook westbrook today he said hey i'll go to the bench if we need it so maybe maybe that'll change things i know i got a couple westbrook haters on my phone that i i dm'd it to and i was like you got i mean this is a nice guy you guys look mean i sent him a <laughs> picture of his family this is who you're hating on so yeah oh oh Westbrook is too prideful. Westbrook is too stubborn to come off the bench. What about year 15? <laughs> all Suck it took, <laughs> he all did it took it. was like the worst start to a team with this many good players <laughs> we've ever seen for him to be like, you know, I think it's time, guys. All right. Uh, moving on, I got a quick little let's run through power rankings. I want. Let's discuss like our top five title contenders, a reason that they will win, and then a reason that they won't win. Do you want to go let's let's go bottom to top? So we save like the best teams. It's like a big reveal. We're very theatrical over here. Mm. We're we're theater kids. We are high school musical, the musical, the series. Have you seen it? I have not. It's it's good. Oh uh, well. When Olivia Rodrigo was on it, it was spectacular. It was very easy to see that she would take over the world eventually. Um, And her chemistry with Joshua Bassett in season one, out of this world, because it was real. But then season two, painfully painfully cringy to watch because it was real. Um, So my number five contender would be the Minnesota Timberwolves, the best defense in the league. I said, if they do... Go far, it'll be because Anthony Edwards just keeps taking a leap and um, he plays defense all the time. And then if they don't go far, it'll be because it'll be because the playoff fall offs like Anthony Edwards will have his first taste of of a playoff fall off because most most young players do have a bad like literally everyone has a bad playoff series at some point. So that will come for him at some point. Um Carl Towns is notorious for for a little bit of a drop off. Like, can can you stay in the game, or are you just going to get frustrated and slap everyone and foul out? Um, Rudy Gobert, everyone bullies him. They say he's trash in the playoffs, um, even though uh, some of it is not his fault. Um, but then also, it's like you don't you don't feel super great when when he's pulled out onto the perimeter in the playoffs. Um, and so 
yeah, I, it's a gamble on them on their defense being legit. So where did you have Minnesota top? Five? I had them. I had them fourth. Uh, so yeah, the way mm. I, I'm, if I say something that you have, we could just go straight to your ranking of them. Fourth for me is the Timberwolves. Uh, they are the number one defense in the league. Feels like they are overwhelmingly reliant on a very promising 22 23 year old anthony edwards who like he rocks uh and i believe in him as a like large sample size playoff performer i do think but does he roll uh, no no he 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 rudy <laughs> rudy rolls he picks and rolls uh <laughs> no i think um if they win it'll be because ant continues not just being good but like keeps ascending and like in the playoffs we really re-examine where he's at and it's like holy shit this guy is like we're gonna talk about him he's an all-time player immediately right now and he will be for the next 10 years if they lose it's because like all the stuff that we're hoping happens gobert being maximized with elite wing defenders in the playoffs and being passable offensively that stuff doesn't happen. And like Ant is just pretty good offensively. I don't think that will be enough for them to make a deep playoff run. Like they need to continue being spectacular on defense while Ant continues being spectacular offensively. Yeah. He's gonna, he's gonna have to go toe to toe with Jokic and and other guys. So he's gotta be on top of it. To be fair in the, in the Timberwolves series last year, I was huge on him. Yeah. Uh, against the Nuggets, he was really, really good, and he kept them in a lot of it was games. Like Thirty-two points a game on like sixty-something percent yeah. true shooting. It was, it was going that, was, that was with the bad first game, I believe. He had nearly forty several times that series, and it just felt like every time the Nuggets were like pulling away to what would be an easy win, he's like, you know fuck this, nobody out here can actually guard me, and so I'm going to go to this little (laughs) pull-up. And yeah, it it worked. It was intimidating, and you could kind of see the ceiling of what he can be as a player. If he hits that soon, then yeah, uh, I believe in the Wolves, but it's a question mark. Every team has question marks, though. That's the point of this list. My fifth team uh, is the Milwaukee Bucks. I think uh, Mm. if they win... The pairing of Giannis and Dame takes off offensively and all of the glaring problems with this roster fall by the wayside in the winning fixes everything kind of sense. Like they figure out, Brooke Lopez figures out how to be a fourth option again. Bobby Portis is good off the bench again. Chris Middleton can kind of be like a microwave scorer that they don't need 27 a game to be competitive with every single night. If they lose, it'll be because they can't defend. Uh, The pairing doesn't really get going to the level that we thought it would. And their coach just gets nuked by like a smarter guy in a playoff series. Yeah, I I have the Bucks at number three, which is not a not a projection of my confidence in them right now. It's a projection of my confidence of them next spring or in the spring because November basketball, it's not real. (laughs) October basketball, it's not real. Um, I just, I just have confidence that the talent is too overwhelming for them not to figure it out. And like, it's, it's a team full of personalities who are not difficult. Like I just, I just feel like it's going to click at some point. I said, um, it'll click just because Dame plus Giannis equals success plus Chris Middleton. Um, so maybe health permitting, if everyone's healthy, I just feel like at some point it'll it'll work itself out. 
Um, and then if it never works out, I think it'll uh, be because uh, they never figure out the defense and, and, and they never get the chemistry right because it is a newer role for Giannis um, rolling and, and being like completely off the ball. Um, but yeah, I, I would count on the positive. I still think this is a good team. Yeah, it's definitely, it's crazy um, how good Giannis still is when you took Dame out of the equation completely. I know they lost to the Pacers, uh, but when he had like the 50 and 12 piece or whatever, he's just uh, so like, he's very capable of doing the things that we know he can do at a high level. It's just that sharing the basketball with Dame, he's committed to making Dame comfortable in Milwaukee and like letting him figure everything else out and his own numbers have taken a back seat to that. I think if they figure it out, it'll probably end up being the reverse where it's Giannis, the best player on the team, taking the most shots, crashing to the rim as much as possible and Dame playing off that, like being a kickout threat to space the floor. I think that's more likely than like Dame. He'll have playoff moments like that, but I don't think he'll be their number one option if they hit what they're supposed to be on offense. Yeah. Um, what's it called? I had to, I had to plug in my, I had to turn on my car and plug in my phone and unplug my headphones. Do I sound different or, or no? No, you, you sound fine. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so my my number four team was the Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. I said they'll be good because Luka's good and Kyrie is good, and they seem to have enough defensive talent around. I said if they're not good, it'll be because the defense actually is not that good. What do you think about the, the Mavs? Um... They were the team I saw against the Wizards. Derek Lively is really good. Uh, he's very big, no? He's huge. And him, um, I really liked Derek Jones Jr.'s minutes for them as well. Just like, his, not like their third best player or anything, just someone who has been uh, impactful. I think I, I toyed with putting them fifth. I went with the Bucks' talent over theirs. Um, I'm not sure how I feel. I know it's like, you, oh, do you have them top five or no? No, they'd probably be like my sixth uh, pick because, yeah, I don't know. I don't love the idea of getting into, into the playoffs and Kyrie Irving hasn't taken like a big step forward in the postseason really since Cleveland. Uh, I think he like maintained in Brooklyn and that would be cool. But for Dallas to really contend, we would need to see like OG 28 points per game, 50, 40, 90, and six assists out of Kyrie Irving. Does he have it in him? Maybe. But if he doesn't, I don't like the ceiling of where this team is at, even though I do like what they've done defensively. I think they'll give any team in the league a good series just because uh, dealing with Luka with no defense was already really hard for the Kawhi Paul George Clippers, and that was a good basketball team. Um, Dealing with Luka and then having to go – like actually work for your buckets that's that's tough and i think they could make it a series but i don't i don't know i just i think i have i'm a little bit higher on the ceilings of these other teams i got on here and all right so so who's who's your next one all right so i had the bucks fifth i had the timberwolves fourth third i have this is so silly because it's just uh, being a psychopath is doing the same shit over and over again. And we're here with the Philadelphia 76ers, baby. Mm. If they win, it'll be because they've moved towards the Denver 
Milwaukee model of maximizing two-ish stars with really good role players, unless they move for Zach Levine, at which point this will be null and void. Um, if they lose, it'll be because their ceiling remains reliant on that one and a half healthy months from Embiid that I touched on earlier. And like, even if you get the health, is is he a fraud? He's on fraud watch. And I'm not a guy who throws that around casually, but it just feels like, <laughs> can he can he be five assists per game in the playoffs? Because he's not shown that in the past. And it's easy to do it against the Torontos of the world, even though I'm big on their off-ball defense or whatever. But if you're the guy that Boston's defense is staring at and being like, make the right play or make this jump shot, is Embiid capable of winning a playoff series like that? I don't know, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna ride this this team until the wheels fall off. I have the Sixers third. Yeah, I I they would probably be the first the first team off for me. Um, it's it just for me it really comes down to um, do I I just don't feel like they have a real I just don't feel like they'll beat the Celtics. I just feel like there's a talent gap and and a productivity gap like. Things are just firing on all cylinders for the Celtics. I, I just, I just don't think they have, they have the firepower. Um, and then when it comes to them versus the Bucks, right now they're better than the Bucks. But the fully realized Bucks, I think that's just too much talent to overcome. And so, I think they're a great team. I think uh, they'll be the third best team in the East. But I just think Embiid plus role players just, just will could fall short to Dame plus Giannis and then Tatum plus all those guys on the Celtics. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know what, I don't know what they need. Like if they got Zach Levine, I don't know if I would feel any different. I don't no. know. I don't know what missing pieces out. If they got Caruso, I don't know if I feel any different. I don't, I don't know think, I don't, what move there is out there for them to make. Like, I think when you have this issue of Embiid's postseason performance, it's hard to like point to something else on the roster and say this is this is what would put us over. This is what would fix that issue. It would help, sure, but like you can't completely switch the way your team wins basketball games in April by like going from fuck yeah, we have Embiid 33 points per game and one of the best defenders in the league to now he's got a lot of gravity. Guys swarm him and he can defend well, but like if we win basketball games, it's going to be because Harden had forty-five or uh, Maxi is cooking. That's uh, that's not an issue that like bringing in Levine or someone else is really going to make me confident in fixing. And I know I have them three, and I do feel good about them. Uh, but that's also Maxi's had a hot start. You call me in four months, I'm not sure where we'll be at. I do feel fairly confident in saying two and one are in their own tier on my list. But I want to hear your next team. My number two team would be the Denver Remix Boston Celtics. Woo! I think I think this, the Celtics are my number two team. I said they have the most talent in the league. They have Tatum. They have Brown. They have White. They have Drew. They have Porzingis. They have um, who do they, who else do they have that I'm missing? They have Sam Hauser, who's a good shooter. They have Jalen Brown. I didn't mention Jalen Brown, the sixty million dollar man. Um, uh, but uh, if they don't do well, I think it will be be because of playoff Drew. Playoff Drew is is notorious for being He's thrown thrown up some some stinkers offensively, and then um, 
just just struggles to move the ball because if playoff drew shows up then i think those struggles come compound because it's like um tatum is kind of i mean tatum brown porzingis like that that's not the not the greatest ball movement not the greatest passing offense but um yeah i think you just hope that uh it's just too much talent to, to fail like Enron. Yeah. Two is where I have Boston as well. Uh, and they are giving Enron. Um, that, like, <laughs> uh, I, I, they'll win because they're an overwhelmingly good team on both ends of the floor in a way that I don't think any other team, including the Nuggets, is. Uh, if they lose, it'll be because everyone on their roster, if they play at the level they've already shown in the postseason, I don't think they're like a lock to be a great team offensively. Um, I think Jalen Brown is mildly concerning offensively. Drew is really concerning offensively. Even if we get to that point with Porzingis, which is a ways out in terms of health, he's not like some seasoned vet who's played a hundred playoff games or anything like that. We don't have a huge sample size from him. And what we do have from him isn't like a star player that you can rely on for 25 in a series. And Tatum has, has he played in the playoffs? Did he play with the Wizards? Or oh, he played with Dallas. Yeah, yeah. He and he was very fine. Rough um, like it was, it was not. It didn't stand out. It's forgettable, mm-hmm. is what it is. Uh, and so yeah, like I think Tatum is their most reliable guy. He's their soundest. And even then, I feel like I'm crazy because when I watch Tatum, uh, he will have two games a series that are 18 points on like. 5 of 19 shooting or something like that. He's one of the best players in the world, but that like consistency, that's really hard to have in the foundation of what your team makes your team great. Like Tatum's spectacular if he eliminates those games and is able to just have his off nights be like neutral. I think that's uh maybe does something for my concerns about the Celtics, but as it stands right now, it's hard to see like the past several years, the Celtics have really survived Tatum's off nights. Like he's been bad and they've won in spite of him. And I don't know if they can continue to do that. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's just a roster that feel that's so overwhelmingly talented, but somehow still feels like on, on any given night, all of them could play badly in the playoffs and, and not do well offensively at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we we have the same number one. I have the Nuggets number one because I'm I'm an objective basketball ball watching knower. You have the Nuggets number one because you're Jokic's jockstrap biased fool, um, um, knob slobber glazer. Uh, t- tell me about your your Denver Nuggets. D one glazer. That's my my handsome king, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, baby. <laughs> Um, the not the Nuggets fucking rock. Um, they're kind of Boston Celtics esque. The Celtics are third in offense, third in defense, first in net. The Nuggets are sixth in offense, fifth in defense, second in net rating. And I think if they win, it'll be because continuity prevails in a lot of these situations, and they are running back a lot of the same crew. The bench is a little bit different, but the guys stepping into big roles aren't brand new they're just um guys like christian brown 
studying under the tutelage of Bruce Brown last year, I feel confident in like him stepping into that like hustle guy who gives a shit role. And if the Nuggets... Peyton, Peyton Watson? What's the confidence level? Oh, I'll get spicy on Peyton Watson. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Peyton Watson is my uh, evidence that if you put a really good athlete next to Nikola Jokic, he can make them a starter. Uh, just because, <laughs> like, he's he's good, and I don't want to diminish him. Like, he's a very talented basketball player at the things he does well. But somebody who can't score offensively really at all is hard to play in but the- he. But he can run and he can jump. He can run and jump. He can cut. He's smart. And Jokic was just, he. And yeah, it's it's <laughs> two or three lobs a game. Easy. I'm huge on Peyton Watson because having him and Aaron Gordon out there at the same time or him and Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr., you get into like Toronto Raptors, everybody's 6'9 territory. That's fun. That's good basketball. And he is really really his ceiling defensively is very impressive i'm glad you brought up peyton watson <laughs> yeah yeah the raptors the raptors have gone a little bit away from from the big the big long boys because they've embraced dick more and, and like just just being smaller with dick um my my reason for the Jokic being contenders is because Jokic he he's overwhelming um he's like he's like howl from howl's moving castle or no, he's super sexy. Yeah, yeah. Would, I'm on. Have this. you seen how? Have you seen Howell's Moving Castle? Yes. Would he be Calcifer or would he be Howell? Oh, you know what? Maybe he's Cal. Maybe he's Calcifer and Jamal Murray's Howell because he's like just that. like flies. He he's home sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> home, uh, home is in the starting lineup, and yeah, yeah. He like turns into a big black bird. I gotta go fight in this war. My knee's really sore. So have fun, Calcifer. Yeah, I like the Calcifer analogy. Just uh, shoulders, everything's on him, and it's fine. Uh, we've been here for two plus years at this point, and we'll continue to be he, here. He, did, he tries to act like he doesn't care, but he cares. Here, deep down. <laughs> um, uh, and then if they don't win, I think it'll just be because of injuries. Um, if Jamal Murray is never home, um, if God forbid anything ever happened to Jokic, but he seems invincible, um, then they wouldn't win. But if everyone's healthy, it feels feels like it's 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 the Jokic era. It feels like Jokic is the current Gojo. Hey, I like that. Damn. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the same page in the sense that. If you don't have 100% Jamal Murray for the playoffs, we talk about Jokic all the time. Um, a lot of what makes Jokic so good is like impacting the two man game. Yeah, yeah, just impacting the basketball game like off of Jamal Murray's 35 points or whatever. If Jokic has to take a back seat, he's still got a lot of fingerprints all over the game, but you need. 100% Jamal Murray to run that two-man game. If he's bricking mid-range pull-ups off the screens, that completely changes the way the defense approaches the pick and roll. And, like, yeah, it's – uh, I'm not terrified about it. It's November, and they're just being cautious about Jamal Murray. They kind of recognize that the regular season is this big, long march. But uh, if it happens in March or April or whatever, that's more concerning. And, yeah, I can see that being their downfall. Yeah. Um let's see. Let's see. Do I do I have anything else? Um let, let's let, let's let's run through let's run through these um 
I wrote fraud watch or goat talk, and I wrote down the top five <laughs> offenses or defenses. Let's just go rapid fire. All right. So the top five, top five offenses, Pacers, fraud watch or goat talk? Goat talk. Goat talk, I agree. Mavs. Uh, goat talk, it's Luca. Goat talk, goat talk. Uh, Boston. Fraud watch. The playmaking mm. scary. Are they are they a top three? <laughs> are they a top three offense in the playoffs? Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm in the same boat. Goat talk regular season fraud watch playoffs. Um Philly. Uh probably probably closer to fraud watch. Even if you like accept Tyrese Maxey as a superstar, 20 points per game on crazy efficiency from Kelly Oubre is not like the most historically supported <laughs> thing in the world. I don't know if that goes 82 games. And Tobias Harris has been phenomenal for them, like above his usual capabilities. Hey, it's it's like it's like the Tobias Harris they traded for. Literally. For the, <laughs> um, the Denver Nuggets. Fraud watch, goat talk. Goat, goat talk, goat talk. Goat talk, don't, goat yeah. talk. Now defense, the Minnesota defense. Oh, goat talk. Um... I think we talk when you talk about Rudy getting pulled out onto the perimeter, that is scary in the sense that like his value fucking tanks if he's just guarding one guy and not the entire court. But Jaden McDaniels, really good. Anthony Edwards, really good. Uh, Nas Reed's pretty good. Carl Anthony Towns is locked in. I like Kyle Anderson. They just have a bunch of quality perimeter defenders, which is what Utah was really lacking with like Pete Gobert. And so I believe in them defensively. Yeah, I'd say I'd say probably closer to goat talk. Um, Boston Celtics. Oh, I think goat talk. I think that like they'll be hard to score on. Yeah, goat talk for sure. That's that's just it's too many guys, too many dudes. Um, the Orlando Magic are they third in defense? They are third in defense. <laughs> Shout out to fucking the thin blue line. Holy shit, Jonathan Isaac. Hell yeah, brother. God damn, that's a true patriot right there. But he is on fraud watch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you give me 82. Oh, he he specifically or the magic? Uh, I think his knees are on fraud watch, uh, and mm-hmm. therefore the magic as a whole. He's great defensively, like really, really good, but. Yeah, his his white blood cells are on fraud watch. They they don't prevent anything. Although that's probably not how that works. But no, we're I moving think on. If he doesn't believe in science, <laughs> neither do we, baby. And I also don't need yeah. any evidence. We're fine. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe that. I wonder if that's part of it. Like maybe he's going to some some homeopathic Karen doctor in Kentucky or something. Um, but yeah, the magic. I was I was surprised by that because it, it does make sense though because the roster. The roster is not an offensive roster, and um, Jalen Suggs. I think, yeah, I think Jalen Suggs. We talked Caruso. We talked Derek White. We talked Drew Holiday. People don't know you. You gotta watch Jalen Suggs is entering that territory if he's not already in there. Um, the Houston Rockets defense. Fraud watcher. Goat talk. Um, I think goat talk in the tier of teams. I don't think are going to contend for a finals. Uh, I think like the coaching of. Ime and all that and getting everybody to buy in and care about defense that'll translate to the postseason even if they end up losing I think there'll be a team that'll still be hard to score on and uh so yeah I'm gonna say like not top tier goat talk but maybe like top 20 all-time goat talks they're like maybe Dwayne Wade territory 
<laughs> yeah, I I think I'd I'd be in the same boat. Um, I do think I think Shingun is passable, and then I think they got wings for days that can that can make up for it. And then uh, the New York Knicks. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, goat talk, but it won't matter. Uh, like. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I would say the same. I think it's it's a Tibbs defense, and he's gonna he's gonna squeeze them dry to get every ounce of effort and defensive uh, buy-in and talent that they have. Um, but yeah, it just it it won't be enough. Yeah, like it they'll be good defensively. They'll be fine. They clamped Donovan Mitchell in the postseason last year a little bit. Lockdown. Uh, Lockdown. Fraud watch. Donovan Mitchell. Your you Nuggets go? couldn't do that in the bubble. <laughs> no, he was lighting us up. That was scary. Don't talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I think the Knicks are good, and Tibbs will have them good defensively. But if uh, if Julius Randle's what he is in the playoffs, and you're just kind of looking at Jalen Brunson and being like, hey, buddy, if you can average 40, fucking go for it. Now's the time. Uh, that's, yeah. The defense doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, if if Julius Randle buys in and they get to play five on five on defense at the end of the games, this defense is going to be scary. Maybe, maybe Julius, <laughs> pick your head up, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, well that's really all I got for you today. I know just a quick fucking hour and forty five, just real <laughs> off the cuff stuff. Uh, everyone listening, you're lucky that this is free. I'm going to put this behind a paywall mm. next time. Next time we hit an hour and a half, you're giving me $5, but this time oh, is free. Crap. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. You got anything? I mean, follow you online at Pablo Escobar, that kind of shit. Yep. Follow me. Um, I'm the world famous Pablo Escobar on, on TikTok. Um, I just dropped a video about how Oda from one, the writer of one piece, um, foreshadowed De'Aaron Fox back in 2004. Um, and then on YouTube, subscribe to hot tunes, TV, China. There's a video coming soon. Is it about Trey young? Is it about Jaden Ivy? We'll see. I'm, I'm a man of false promises. I'm a man with a serpent tongue. You'll have to subscribe to, to, to find out. Wow, damn. Parcel tongue reference. Holy shit. <laughs> hates trans people. J.K. Rowling. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, you can follow me online at Jokic Joestar and everything. Subscribe to the State of the League podcast because you're already here. Just click whatever button on whatever platform. Do it. And everyone will think you're cool and you're acting really weird right now. So, mm. all right. Thank you for tuning in. Peace. <laughs>